0: My Hello and welcome to the New York Welsh podcast, the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories in New York and hopefully inspires the creation of some new ones. I'm Gideon. And I am Richard. Our guest today is Dr. Megan Williams. She is the Executive Secretary of the Welsh North American Association, which has its international headquarters in Trumansburg, New York.
1: The organisation itself has 2000 members people of varying Welsh heritage that for nearly a hundred years has safeguarded the best of famed singing traditions of Wales in the North American continent. In their own words, their mission is to preserve, develop and promote our Welsh cultural heritage.
0: The highlight of the WNAA's calendar is the annual North American Festival of Wales, which began as a gamambagani or singing festival, at Niagara Falls in 1929. Newspaper clippings from the time describe the sonorous roll of the mighty Niagara pouring forth, perfectly accompanied by a choir of 3,000 singing Welsh hymns.
1: Wow, that sounds quite the experience, and I'm sure it was quite the sight as well.
0: I was reading through some of the old newspaper clippings, and you know, they built a platform down there and carried a piano so they'd have a uh, piano accompaniment and they'd also recently installed an illumination system so it would have been the first time any of them had seen Niagara Falls lit up at night. And that sounds great. The modern iteration
1: of the festival is a weekend-long event with performances, poetry, literature, singing, dancing, seminars, a marketplace and a very own ice dead Sadly this year's event is going online for the first ever time because of the risks due to the novel coronavirus. That does now open up the proceedings to anyone with an internet connection.
0: We talked to Megan about the importance of the festival to the Welsh North American community, the challenges of adapting to a virtual format, and the history of the event and Welsh heritage in North America. It is another
1: virtual interview, as is becoming the norm so often on this podcast now. We had a great chat with Megan, and we hope you enjoy it too. Dr. Megan Williams.
0: Hello, good morning, Megan. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: I wondered if uh, we could start by talking about the Welsh North American Association. Um, explain what the organization does and how long you've been involved with them.
2: Yeah, so uh, the Welsh North American Association is a nonprofit with our primary purpose to preserve and promote Welsh culture in North America. Um, primarily with a focus on the gaman vagani which when we talk a little bit later about the history um, it will become more apparent why that's that's really important um, I'm the actually only paid employee with the organization we rely very heavily on volunteers um, and I started with um, the organization and the festival in 2012
0: so you say that you're the you're the only employee and it's mainly volunteer run uh, what sort of how many people can we talking
2: Um, We have a very large active board of directors who are all volunteers. There are 25 on that board who come from across um, Canada, the United States, and we have one representative from Wales as well. each year when we run the festival, we pair with a local uh, Welsh host society. And so in addition to our board and volunteers who come from our organization, we work with up to 30 or 40 local volunteers every year to help uh, put the festival on.
0: I know that you have a mission statement for the, uh, the
2: WNAA.
0: Um, what are the aims particularly of the festival then?
2: Um, well, we want people to have fun. <laughs> we want to raise awareness uh, about whales and Welsh culture. Um, it's really interesting to find the people who come to us, their various connections um, that they have with whales. And so we, we take that into account as well. Um, we have people all the way who are, you know, seventh generation Back, that's how far um, their history with with Wales goes, and their ancestry all the way to people who've just moved, you know, to the U.S. or Canada in the last, say, five, ten, ten years. Who come?
1: We haven't talked about this, but um, what's what? Do you have a connection at all? And I, with a name like Williams, I I suspect there could be some, but I don't want to assume.
2: <laughs> safe, <laughs> safe assumption. Um, yes, my mom is from Wales. She was born and raised in Neudorfier in the Rumney Valley. And my father's grandparents were also Welsh, so I've got Welsh ancestry on both sides. Um, And as a child, um, my parents bought a second home in Wales so we could go back and spend time um, where our family comes from. And so I was lucky enough to spend all my summers in Wales growing up. Um, And then I ended up actually going to Wales to do my postgrad studies when I finished um, in New York. And I lived there for seven years until... Um, moving back here uh, and starting this job
1: right this was in uh, Bangor right
2: it it was yes Um, I met my my now husband when I was over there and I studied at Bangor to do a master's and a a PhD before moving back to the U.S.
0: I know that you know uh, it's 2020 the the year of the pandemic and this year the festival has had to move uh, online um, but before we get into what that has, has meant for you, I wondered, you know, should we establish first what the, the festival is like in previous years under normal circumstances? Um, maybe you could give us a, a, a breakdown of the itinerary for the weekend.
2: Of course. So w- an interesting thing about the festival is that we hold it in a different city every year. Uh, we move between the United States and Canada, and we try and cover different geographic uh, regions within the United States and Canada. So this year we were supposed to be in Philadelphia, which would have been the first time the festival had returned there since 1976. So it was a real disappointment to the local committee and to all of us you know, um, that, that this had, had to happen. Uh, the festival starts on Thursday with an opening ceremony and uh, an opening concert. Um, and it goes all the way through Sunday. And so we have daytime programming on Friday and Saturday. Um, with various lectures, um, theater performances, cinema from Wales. Um, Friday evening, we have an awards banquet. We partner with the uh, North America Wales Foundation, and each year they give an award to somebody uh, who's recognized for their contributions to Welsh uh, North American life. Um, That evening also... We uh, are lucky enough to have a performance by the um, Osmond Roberts winner from the Nationalized Desvot in Wales. It's a partnership that we've set up that uh, the previous year's winner comes over and performs at the banquet for us um, at the festival. Um, Saturday evening, we have a grand concert that typically features a choir from Wales, and soloists, and then Sunday we have a uh, church service in the morning, and then we have two sessions of the gaman vagani, um, one in the afternoon and one in the evening.
0: Sounds fantastic, and uh, it, it just wouldn't be a Welsh festival without church on a Sunday morning. I know.
2: <laughs> no, and we usually manage to get a fair amount of attendance, but sometimes it depends how late the singing on Saturday night in the pub goes, how many people are there on Sunday morning for church.
0: I'm sure that's that's true of all Welsh congregations. <laughs> Um, so how is it decided which city will host each year?
2: That's a good question. We um, we often look for interest from a local Welsh society to come and approach us and say that they're interested in hosting. Uh, as I mentioned, we try and cover a geographic um, range. Often we go to places that have um, a strong history with having Welsh communities there. Um, and we try and plan three to four years out. We do sometimes go places that we haven't been um, previously, but we also, not on a regular cycle, but we do go back typically to, to host cities um, where we've been before. Hmm.
1: I want to acknowledge like, how, how impressive that is because you know as someone who's, you know, goes, who, who's been to a bunch of festivals that are in the same location, and, and I was talking to organizers know knowing how hard it is to put on festivals even if you're in the same location um, and you have all those processes and relationships set up, to be rebuilding those every year—that um, must—I mean—that's impressive. But it must be incredibly challenging. Um, and it sounds like it's good because you have this part. You find a partner in each time, but I guess how do you how do you approach that relationship? How much flexibility? How much are you providing the template, and then they inputting on, the, um, on the on the on the. I guess, what content is there or how the content is shaped or how it's presented? I'm just curious how that relationship
2: works. Um, Well, thank you for recognizing the challenges that going to a different city each year brings because it is very much the case. It's really exciting to go someplace different. But yes, trying to do the same thing in a new place with um, a new venue and uh, new volunteers every year um, definitely keeps us on our toes. Um, We look to the local committee to bring sort of their impressions of Wales and their um, ideas to the festival but then there are some things that we keep the same every year um, from a national level also.
1: And um, you mentioned the bursary in there is that does that typically um, celebrate someone in that city or that community or can that be anyone each year and is it something that People nominate themselves for. Or are they nominated by other people. Do you seek them out? How does, how does that? Work?
2: That's a good question. It's a little bit of both. So sometimes it is somebody that's recognized that has a connection with the local area, and then other times it's somebody who's recognized on a on a greater um, on a greater level. We partner with the foundation on that, and then our board, and then the local committee, and we sort of discuss people who we think may be um, good candidates or who've done something. Um, specifically, of interest that we want to recognize.
1: Mm. Mm. Okay, so that's kind of the criteria. you're is it more? Of, yeah, actually, just maybe explain. It. What is the? Can you explain the criteria for selection?
2: Uh, that's a. good... Um,
0: are you looking to enter, Rich? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just. I'm just curious. We don't have.
2: This is the great thing. We don't have specific criteria. To be honest with you, um, it's it's just people who are known within the Welsh community to have made um, a specific contributions or her well-known for their efforts and support. For example, this year, the award was supposed to go to Edward Morris Jones, who's from Anglesey. Um, He did a lot with Welsh language classes in the U.S. He's been a friend of the festival for years. Um, He's well-known for singing with David Yuan, and he's a great friend of the Philadelphia uh, Welsh Society as well. So being in Philadelphia with his connections there, it was very appropriate that he uh, would receive the award um, ironically now he will receive it in ottawa even though he does not have any connections with the ottawa welsh society but we will defer the award to next year's festival
1: we are we are very big David ewan fans on this
2: podcast <laughs> he has been to the festival quite a few times and is always really well received
0: oh i bet i know that you have a uh, an Eisteddfod element to to the festival each year we do so who who are your, your judges for that? Uh, do you pick them locally? Do you you know do, when David Ewan uh, comes? Does he get to, to sit to sit on the panel? And and also I'm curious what um, what are the categories?
2: Exactly, we pick the the adjudicators are often chosen um, from our guests from Wales who are over participating. Um, so we often will pick um, the choir conductor will often sit in on, on some of our vocal competitions, or if we have literary presenters, they will sit in on the poetry competitions. Um, it's also really nice because I mentioned before that we have the Osmond Roberts winner from Wales who comes over and performs. We often ask them to get involved as an adjudicator, um, and they they kind of enjoy that experience because obviously, being young and in performing in Wales, they're used to being adjudicated, and so Uh, It's a sort of a role reversal um, and and a nice experience for them. Um, In a typical year, our competitions are English recitation, Welsh recitation, including a learner um, category, and then we have uh, hymn singing, solo voice, uh, a youth competition, and then we have a semi-professional competition as well. Um, And just to talk a little bit further about that, that's sort of our prestigious um, top top award and the winner from that is given a scholarship to go and perform at the National East Adelaide in Wales. Wow,
0: that's cool. That's,
2: that's really cool. Uh,
0: just looking over some of the other events you've had in the past, uh, I noticed there's a, a Tumpath. Is that a regular, is that a recurring event?
2: Um, this kind of goes back to your point about moving the festival around every year and also the fact that we have different performers every year. So for a while we had Tumpath as something that that always happened and then we took a break from it because there just wasn't a natural space in the program for it or performers. Uh, Last year in Milwaukee, we had Kalenig over from Wales and they performed at our opening concert on Thursday night. And they were just the absolute perfect match to set up a Tumpath. And so we did that on Saturday and it was probably the best one we've had in 10 years. It was so well attended and everybody had a great time. And it was just, you know, exactly what you would think of when you hear that.
0: You need a lot of room for a Tumpath.
2: You do. And you need the right sort of music. And um, and so, again, it'll depend. I think it's something we're looking to do when we have the right space and we have the right performers in our program to be able to to really make that come alive.
0: Have you ever attended a
2: tumpath, Rich?
1: No, I'm about. I'm about to ask you what uh, for people who don't know be included. What What is a tumpath?
2: It's a folk dancing, ah, a folk okay. dancing okay. session, I should say, but that doesn't really have doesn't translate exactly.
0: Mm. It's um a lot of you know sort of linking arms and swinging each other around and stomping your feet and it's sort of semi uh, formation dancing. You know, Mm, okay, it's it's great fun. I think it was my mom's, my mom had one for her 60th birthday, and she got a a professional caller, or maybe I should say an experienced caller, to come in and uh, call out the moves and teach people a few basics if they weren't um, already familiar. Uh, And then, yeah, we all stomped around the church hall for the rest of the night. It was great fun. Very cool. I can sound like it sounds
1: like where you would need some space for that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then. The other thing that I was just curious about Megan is uh, you said you have uh, lectures and seminars. so what what would be the sort of or examples of topics for those seminars?
2: oh that that changes every year. Um, there's often a focus on um, history and historical connections between um, the Welsh in that area um, and how they settled there. Um, We like to have more current topics about Wales today, business in Wales. We always have Welsh language. We have two Welsh language sections that are taught, one on Friday morning and one on Saturday morning. Um, I'm trying to think historical Welsh characters, particularly those, again, that have a connection with North America. Um, So a range of topics. Right. Right. that
0: that last one that sounds like uh my favorite my favorite thing to do is if anyone mentions a historical figure that's got any Welsh connection he's Welsh she is do you know that he's Welsh
2: <laughs> yeah Willie williams jones there you have it
1: uh-huh. and do they t- do they typically be are they typically lectures from an individual or do they sometimes are they kind of more discussions with like panels or does it does it vary based on the i guess on the best it has
2: not We have not done panels in recent years. It is something that we've considered if we had the right group of people to present together on a topic. It Mm -hmm. tends to be um, individuals. And we do partner with the universities in Wales. And often our speakers come, we work with Bangor and Aberystwyth and Cardiff. And often some of our presenters are um, lecturers at those universities who come over.
1: Wow. So it sounds like you have a very big network. That's what I'm taking from this. Like you're tapped into a lot of different... um, Groups and people from different walks of life, obviously with Welsh America being the Wales and America being the connection point. Um, yeah, sounds pretty extensive.
2: It, it is, um, and it's today's a particularly sad day for me because I was supposed to be flying to Wales tonight to be at the National uh this coming week, which clearly is not happening. Um, but being over at the Nationalisedwed is a great opportunity for us to network and you know keep in touch with sort of the, the people that were that come to the festival who've been before and who are interested in coming again in the future.
1: Hmm. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. So who, like typically what, what is the, on an average year, non, non COVID year, what would the average attendance look like? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it varies based on the city, but yeah. And, and, and typically who, who what what are these type of people? You, you mentioned, you know, different levels of, um, you know, descendants, like generations, but you know, where are they coming from? You know, are they coming from far, far away,
0: mostly from that local community? I'm curious, do you have people coming over from Wales
2: ever? We do have some people who come from Wales. Um, I, that's not the majority of who our attendees are, but we do have um, a group who come over fairly regularly, especially because the festival moves around. It's actually interesting for them to come and then be at the festival, but also experience another part of um, of North America. And that is something that we hope to... When COVID gives us all a break, um, we would like to expand into our Welsh market and have more people from Wales attend. Again, pushing the fact that not only are they getting this great experience of the festival, but also getting to see a different place in the U.S. or Canada um, each year.
0: And when you when you speak to people who who have attended, uh, you know, be it from Wales or or from uh, somewhere in North America, what what do they say the festival means to them? What, what do they get out of it when they come?
2: The people who come from Wales almost um, in entirely comment on how surprised they are about how much people in North America care about whales and the interest in whales. And sometimes they say that they notice that people here care more about. It seems that people at the festival care more about whales than people who actually live in in Wales. I'm sure that's not the case, but I think they're just overwhelmed with the the, the desire to learn about whales and and um preserve the Welsh heritage. Um, that's that's the takeaway from the people from Wales who come over. Um, and the people that come from North America, again, it depends on what the experience they're looking for. Um, we have some people who come every year, it doesn't matter where it is, it's on their calendar. They'll be there, they'll fly, they'll drive, you know, whatever it takes, wherever it is, however far from where they are, they'll go. Um, then we have people who attend if it's sort of in their region. So if we're in the Northeast, they'll come, but they won't necessarily fly out if we're out, you know, West, um, or up in Canada. And then we do try every year to attract a new group of people from the local area. Um, which is why we move around to it again, to allow that exposure to different groups of people. Um, I'd say the attendance for the weekend is between five to 800 people, depending on where we are. Again, if we're someplace like in Scranton, Pennsylvania, that has a huge base of Welsh um, immigrants, that was our largest attendance in, in recent years. Um, and it depends on how far people have to travel. And then the some people come for the whole thing. They'll come on Wednesday. We do offer, I didn't mention this, but we do offer tours on Thursday and Monday to kind of buffer the weekend for people who want to stay longer and want to get a taste of what the local area has to offer. Um, And our attendees, a lot of them are retired. Um, We find that people in their retirement especially want to connect with their um, ancestry with all this push and focus on genealogy right now. Um, But we have cross-generational families that come, you know, three, four generations will all come together to be at the festival. Um, you know, sisters who live in different parts of the country use that as an opportunity to come and meet up and spend the weekend together. And then, you know, the thing is, we really a lot of us are an extended family, because when you spend four or five days together every year, you form friendships. And it's really great to see people reunited with people that this is the only opportunity that they get to have each other or see each other. Um, and their their connection and their love for whales is what brings them together.
1: Hmm. I, it's funny, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. I, there has been that massive resurgence in, you know, Genie, I think of 23andMe, anti Um it, it sounds like, has that been a, have, have you noticed people talk about those things, that people have done these tests and found that they now have these connections that they didn't have to know they had in the past?
2: We are starting to see that, um, and we definitely see a huge interest if we ever have genealogy. I didn't mention those as one of the topics of our lectures, but quite often we'll have something that's connected to genealogy. Um, And a few years ago, we had a genealogy workshop, and they're exceptionally well attended because people just want to understand how to connect with their past and find out as much as they can.
0: You could have um, a 23andMe guest stall in the marketplace picking mouth swab and then people could know what percentage welsh they are
2: we could do that would would you like to run that <laughs> yeah. next year for us I'll, I'll, I'll be
0: there with my rubber gloves on i'll
2: sign you up you can be our our 41st volunteer yeah no i'm okay
0: i'm okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned
1: the fact that uh, scranton pennsylvania is a place where there's a lot of welsh immigrants just out of personal curiosity where are the other are there are there other known areas that are in across north america that are you know, have have large populations of of um, Welsh immigrants or Welsh Welsh descendants. Uh,
2: yep. So Southeast Ohio, um, a lot of uh, farmers from um, Ketadigion came over uh, two hundred years ago, and so there's still a lot of Welsh presence in Southeast Ohio. In the Midwest, again with the farming connections, um, we're actually going out to Lincoln, Nebraska, in 2023, which you wouldn't have thought of, but the Great Plains. Again, a lot of Welsh farmers settled there 150, 200 years ago and their um, descendants and their presence is still, you know, very, very um, obvious today.
1: That's cool. Yeah, we, I know we've talked to past, um, actually a past guest on the podcast, uh, Hal John, he he actually has his own podcast called The Fire Escape with two chaps from um, Alabama and they've, ex- he spent a lot of time personally exploring the connection between, um, uh, Birmingham specifically, but the whole uh Alabama region or the whole state um and um and Wales. Interesting. So that that's another one. But I hadn't I wasn't aware of the Midwest. I wasn't aware of Ohio, so that's really interesting.
2: Yeah, and and then in Canada in Canada obviously, um especially being um you know closer affiliated with the British Empire, but you know, in Ontario, um in Alberta, British Columbia, there are large pockets of Welsh um welsh groups and welsh settlements that are are there too
1: i always enjoy visiting like uh another cardiff or another swansea
0: um as we know uh the festival is moving online this year because of uh because of the pandemic um i imagine that's been an enormous challenge adapting this very social function into an online only event um Perhaps you could uh, tell us what format the proceedings uh, are going to take this year and um, and some of the challenges involved.
2: So, we wanted to be able to present a similar program for people to get a taste of what the festival would be like. Um, for two reasons, for this, the people um, who normally attend are going to greatly miss that this year. And so, while not the same as being together, it'll still remind them of. Um, you know, what the festival is like. We're also hoping that by going online, we may reach a a greater audience, a broader audience than typically um, because being able to travel and take three or four days and go to a different city is not something that people can do, but this way they'll have access to what our program is typically like. And, um, you know, it may attract new attendees and it may give us something to think about going forward for offering our event in more than one um, way besides just the traditional way of gathering together.
1: So is it? So is it the typical? Are you kind of following the similar format of scheduling, or have you kind of adapted the schedule for going virtual?
2: No, we we haven't adapted the schedule. So uh, we're going to launch our virtual festival on Friday, the 4th of September. Um, The festival would have opened on Thursday the 3rd, so we thought we would uh, do it that weekend. And then we're going to have it online on our website all the way through the 30th of September so that we allow people as much access as possible to the events. So all of our um, concerts and mini lectures all of the components will be pre-recorded and be available on our website, so people can go as and when they have time and explore the different elements of the festival.
1: Oh, that's fantastic! So, when they initially air, will there be a live component? Like, will you will it? And I, I imagine there's some sort of dialogue or Q and A at the end of, say, the seminars. Will that are you kind of trying to replicate that in the virtual format, or is it more just the kind of just the screening?
2: We're not. It is going to be um, more pre-recorded. We are not the most tech savvy group. That's something that maybe this pandemic will change. So we'd rather do something that we know we can do well instead of stepping a little bit outside our comfort zone and possibly encountering some problems.
1: We're all being forced to adapt and learn new things. I'm sure we're going to come out of this with a whole different slew of new skills and uh, tools that we had not used or known about before.
2: It'll be really interesting. I mean, this is true in all realms of life, but specifically for the festival, to see what what are sort of leftover positives um, from this rather unpleasant COVID experience that we're all going through.
1: Could you talk a little bit about so? So, when you say is, there, is it completely open to anyone? Um, will how do, how do people do people have to sign up? Can people find out information about it? Obviously, we'll, we'll try to link to everything in our in our show notes, but we'd love to know a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, it's going to be open to everybody. There's absolutely no charge at all. Um, we appreciate the sponsorship of the Welsh Government who are helping with our uh, mini lecture series. And it'll be available on our website, which is nafow.org. And it'll be there, like I said, from the 4th of September all the way through till the end of the month. Um, so we're hoping to give it as much um airing as we can you know putting it out on social media through our email channels and any help that you can give and letting people know about it would be would be wonderful
0: absolutely I'm, i mean i'm looking forward to seeing what uh, lectures are available
2: there are some about famous welsh americans so you'll be interested. <laughs> some more ammunition for my uh... yes
0: do you think that uh, by going online as well as reaching people uh, further afield from north america who don't usually travel yeah. do you think there's elements of the festival that will um Appeal to to Welsh people that are in that are abroad in other countries
2: I hope so I mean we do have our organization has over two thousand members and the majority of those are in the United States and Canada but some are in Wales and then we've got some in New Zealand and South America and the Netherlands um, so hopefully through that and again through the social media platform we'll be able to reach people anywhere that have a connection and interest in in Wales and um, Welsh-American affairs.
1: One of the things we've been looking into, I say we, Gideon has been looking into uh, and sh- shared with me, uh, was some of the fascinating history of of um, the organisation, but then also the, the festival itself, um, which I believe was established in 1929. Um, would love to hear you yes. talk a little bit about, yeah, the origins of it and some of the history, because there's some, I mean, we'll, we'll try and share some of it, but there's some amazing um, newspaper clippings. Um, around, you know, some of those first few um, festivals so here. Yeah, we'd love to hear a bit about that.
2: Yep. So the uh, the first National Gaman Vagani was held on Go Island um, in Niagara Falls in 1929. And it, it was held there because of the connection between the United States and Canada. And clearly geographically, that was a logical place to hold it. Um, the festival always takes place over Labor Day weekend, which is the first weekend in September, because it's a national holiday in both the U.S. and Canada. Um, sometimes people ask us why we don't have it at a different time, where it might be easier with school not starting, but it goes back to the tradition of, of that first event that was held. So last year, we actually celebrated uh, 90 years, which was quite something, um, and I'm glad that we got that that celebration in. Um Interestingly enough, even though it was 90 years, we actually have only held 88 Gamanvas because twice during World War II, um, the event was canceled. So this year is the first time since World War II that the national Gamanva or the festival was not held. The, The organization as it is today was founded in 1953. Um, and then the festival itself, uh, when it stopped being the National Gamanva and turned into the North American Festival of Wales, I think was in 2002. Um, because obviously the events continued to evolve beyond the Gamanva and turned into a weekend-long, and now it's a long weekend-long um, activity, so they they renamed it uh, the North American Festival of Wales.
0: I was curious if you knew, um, at the time of the the first Gamanva Ghanis, was there already an organized community or do you think there was an intention of sort of gathering together a a scattered diaspora of welsh to to organize into a community
2: um i think that there are what there were already local communities and there were nationalized that were being held in north america prior to the gaman vagani but that was the first one of its scale that was held um so clearly i think that evolved from local gatherings, which even local gatherings, you know, 100 years ago, the scale and the size of those were in the thousands. It was really impressive. For example, in Youngstown, Ohio, they used to have a Welsh picnic. They still have it um, every year, but it was literally thousands of people who would attend. I mean, it's just amazing when you think about what the Welsh diaspora looked like here, you know, 150, 100, even even 50 years ago um, compared to today.
1: Why do you think that is um, that perhaps because I, I, I compare it rightly or wrongly to say, you know, um, Italian Americans, uh, Irish Americans and, you know, that ancestry. And of course, we're talking with different scales of um, migration and numbers. But there does seem some disparity there in the degree to which people maybe retain those associations. I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily true, but do you have any thoughts on that?
2: I think they do. I mean, part of me wonders if the Welsh assimilated into American culture at a quicker pace than some of the other, um, ethnicities. The fact that a lot of the Welsh immigrants were Protestant, again, maybe has something to do with it, in my opinion, that being Protestant and their religion helped them assimilate faster. And then they didn't maintain their connections as strongly as some of the other ethnic groups, um, That makes sense. Just a thought.
0: Megan, looking forward, what are the plans for for next year's festival? I mean, I'm I'm assuming that we're all hoping it'll be able to be an in-person festival next year.
2: Oh, we are all hoping that. Uh, My sanity needs it to be an in-person festival next year. Um, Next year, we are going to Ottawa um, in Ontario. And we are really looking forward to partnering with the Ottawa Welsh Society and um, the Ontario um gaman vagani association which is their sort of regional uh welsh group um we will have our same uh schedule that i mentioned earlier with opening concerts and um, we have a choir we've got dunvant coming over from south wales who are going to be singing um hugh chiswell who was going to be with us in philadelphia is going to join us and we are working on a lineup of seminar speakers with a focus on uh, Welsh Canadians as sort of uh, the theme of our seminar program for for next year's event. Do
1: cool. you think you'll have? And I don't know if you did this before, but was there any recording or live stream or virtual component to the in-person festivals prior to this? And could you see a world in which you might have you might add a component to that if if this year's event is successful?
2: I think that this will definitely be something that we consider going forward. Uh, Philadelphia actually was slated to be the first year that we were going to record some of our lectures and start an archive of the material that is presented at the festival. And clearly that didn't happen. But now with this new format, it will be very easy to archive the material considering it's all being done electronically anyway. And so going forward, I would certainly think that we will figure out the best way to bring our message to as large a group as possible and also keeping records for, sure. um, you know, for posterity so that they can uh, see what people were talking about and, and what the festival was any particular year. This year, our um, because typically, obviously, it's live performances and adjudication and we did think about seeing how we could do that on an online platform and we just didn't think it was necessarily possible, but we still wanted to have a competition um, to represent it. And we wanted something that would be open to people from, you know, across the world. So we do actually have a poetry competition this year, which is the first time that we've ever um, launched that. So we do have an English and a Welsh poetry competition. So details of that are on our website as well. Um, and we're excited to see the entries that we get. And then the winning poems will be recited as part of that um, program that we're putting out on Labor Day weekend.
0: Yes, I suppose the the performance aspect uh, would be difficult going online. I mean, I don't know what a Zoom choir would sound like, but...
2: <laughs> that's that's part of the reason that we decided to go with the pre-recording um and we you know we're doing a, a tribute to the gamanva we have had audio recordings of our gamanvas for the last few years so we're putting together a slideshow of of pictures and then uh four of uh, the sort of gamanva favorite hymns um will be playing in the background so that people can sing along at home and uh again just have that little bit of a connection with the singing that is so important to so many people who come to our festival mm-hmm
1: yeah i would say i've i've attended a few I, i've watched one of the new york symphony live streams i also you know just like joining a few like musician um d j sets and things i feel i feel like maybe in a time when you just need that type of connection it does that a lot and maybe maybe on that if there if there's people out there who've been listening to this and they're thinking they're interested and on the fence like what what would you say like you What would you just say to them? Is there any last maybe thoughts that you would say that people might get out of this that they might not have thought about?
2: Um, I would say just to join in online and see what you think of our programming and what you learn and the personal connections that you can make when you're actually there and the social element, I know we can't replicate, but they really are so important. And the amount of fun that everybody has gathering together is something i we all hope we're back in 2021 so that we can enjoy that that sense of being welsh all together
0: we look forward to it too <laughs> good luck with it all i really hope it um i really hope it goes well for you with the new online format um and we just want to say thank you for uh, for coming on sharing that with us and uh and sharing your time with us this morning
2: Thank you for having me. It was really nice to to meet both of you. And I appreciate the airtime that you're giving to the festival. And um, yeah, I hope that we can and reach some of your listeners with our new format. And maybe we'll uh, see you all in Ottawa.
0: Well, we hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, then please subscribe and leave us a review as long as it's positive. The more people review the show, the more people will get to hear the show. Yeah, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, then
1: please do. The email is podcast at newyorkwelsh.com, or you can contact us through any of the socials. Both our Instagram and Twitter are at New York Welsh.
0: And if you'd like to stay up to date with the latest goings on, you can do so by subscribing to the monthly newsletter on our website,
1: New YorkWelsh.com.